Hi, this is Antonio Luich for Padded Cell Podcast, a conversation around mental health. And we are back with Padded Cell Podcast. I am Antonio Luich and apologies for being away for so long. I had to deal with my own mental health issues as long as much as we are talking about mental health. I needed some time to to take care of me, which I am in the process of doing. I'm never, you're never quite there yet, uh, but I am back. And as I promised from the very beginning, we're going to have these conversations. We're going to uh, start, you know, reduce the stigma around mental health. And even if it's something that's happening to me, I will share it with you. I will not share it with you today, but I will share it with you uh, in due course. So I am joined today Bye. You want me to introduce myself? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my name is Baharu. Bahi. Becky. I have different names. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you, thank you. I, and it's it's great to see you here because I've seen you, I've met you a couple of times. I, I'll just give a, a bit of a background to where I am. I'm actually currently in in the UK. I'm in London and I'm sitting with my friend... Bahu from Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> so let's let's talk about mental health. So how long have you been in the UK? Uh, well, nearly four years now. Four years. How are you here? Why are you here? Why UK? Why <laughs> am I here? Why am I here? That's a good thing. Uh, so when you are born as a gay man <laughs> in Ethiopia, <laughs> it's not easy. Uh, but anyway, it's not just that. Uh, we started working on under underground LGBT organization movement in Ethiopia when I was back home. We mm. co-founded an organization with my friends. Uh, we managed to work on it for about like three years underground. Okay. But at some point, you know, it came to light, so we were exposed. So, you know, same old story, like we had to leave for our safety. Mm-hmm. So I came to the UK because I did not want to die in a place that I called home. So I rather wanted to be alive somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so now London is home. London is home for the last four years. The last How did you get here? How, what was? <laughs> what are the circumstances that got you to this place? Uh, well, circumstances. Well, it's the same thing that I said. So, like, being gay is criminalized uh, in Ethiopia, like, as you know, in most part of Africa, and then also the Ethiopian society is very religious. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you've seen like, you know, like the research that have been conducted. Yeah. Like there's one in 2015 uh, that says 98% of Ethiopians uh, base their judgment, their morality on religion. Uh, religion. Okay. So, you know, like that, you don't have any kind of a room to have a conversation about right. like, you know, being different. Mm-hmm. And then the Ethiopian history by itself and then the Ethiopian society by itself doesn't allow you to be anything but just, you know, Ethiopian. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you left Ethiopia. Did you go through any other country? Like, uh, the, the reason why I'm oh. asking this is because the, 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 I, I know of so How many. How did I get here? Yeah. Oh, like, I mean, for me, you know, I was one of the privileged ones. Mm. So, like, I took a flight from Addis Ababa, International Airport, came through to Heathrow. Okay. It was a seven-hour flight, and then that was it. Oh, yeah. wow. Did so, you know anyone here when you came here? Well, I know of people because I've been in and out of the UK because of the work that I was doing on LGBT. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I did not have anyone that I can actually rely on. Mm-hmm. If that, you know, like, I didn't have a family. I didn't have a friend back then. Mm-hmm. I, I have people that I know of. 
that's it. Just people from you know previous <laughs> visits, exactly. work, and all exactly. that. I, I know, I know that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but just, just you know, for people who are listening, what is the process of seeking asylum in the UK? So you land here, and then what yeah. happens next? Well, in my case, it's different uh, because. As I said, like I took a direct flight to the UK because I had a visa, I had an active visa. Um, and then once I got to the UK, like I wasn't so sure like if I wanted to go through the asylum process because it means, you know, like it completely cutting off ties from back home, yeah. family, friends, whatever careers that you develop. You know, like that's just starting life from ground zero. Right. So like I wasn't so sure. Uh, after I got to the UK, uh, it took me three months to make a decision so i was just like honestly spending my own money for about three mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. in fucking london <laughs> which is super expensive super expensive <laughs> uh yeah but the good thing is honestly um one of the good things that i can say about myself and then i'm genuinely very lucky in terms of this because the universe have been on my side always and then those people that i said i know of mm-hmm. living in the uk i approached them and then you know tell them the situation. They said, you know, like, I should seek asylum. And then, you know, they were very supportive. Uh, so, like, the asylum process would be, like, you know, uh, you go to the home office, they call it. Right. And then you make an appointment. In my case, I had to make an appointment because I was here already in the country right. for three months. Uh, I made an appointment. I went to the UK uh, home office, mm-hmm. gave them my national passport. Okay. They would take your national passport and then they give you an ID that says asylum seeker. Okay not permitted to work as they do <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so like they do like an assessment kind of a conversation like it's a first trial so like you know there's not intense interview mm-hmm. but like it's just basically like you know assessing why are you claiming asylum when did you get here how did you get here where are you staying you know those kind of things and then they would ask you one thing because you know we're talking about mental health mm-hmm. they would ask you about like you know like how are you doing like yeah, how actually, are you as in like you know trying to find out yeah, like, you know, like, what's your state of mind, okay. one. And then the other thing is, like, you know, because they are, like, you know, like, uh, sexual exploitation stories, right. they will check that as well, like, on the question. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, I've heard I've heard a few stories out of the UK where uh, people are... There's one particular question that uh, a gay person would find difficult to answer is... Are you actually gay? <laughs> Do they actually ask that question? Uh, well, they used to. They used to. They used okay. to. So, like, as I said, I was one of the lucky ones. <laughs> and then I don't think, you know, like, anyone should ask me, like, you know, if I'm gay because I'm, I'm literally the epitome of stereotype. No, no you, you can never tell. You can, <laughs> no, never, you can tell. never tell. Well, at least, you know, like, I fit the stereotype right. for them, you know? Uh, yeah, so, within that, yes, they do. They used to ask that question. But now what happened is, like, I think in 2016, somewhere, like, you know, like, early 2016, mm. the Home Office had to change that, you know, like, well, they were asked not to ask that question. question. Okay. Because proving you're gay is just ridiculous. How do you prove you're gay? Mm. Unless you want me to have sex with you. Like, even that, like, you know, that doesn't confirm that I'm gay. No, it does not. Because, you know, like, well, having sexual experience doesn't make you gay. Exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> People explore a lot of things. But, yes, they used to ask that question. No, no, no. But I was never asked. No, I mean, you, you spent three months basically by yourself. Yeah. How did you, I mean, being alone in a country that is not your own, mm. away from home, yeah. that would really affect your mental health, right? <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> How did you deal with it? What sort of things did you go through? Oh, 
Okay, so I think let's just go back and then assess realities when I was back home in Ethiopia. Right. Okay, so like for me, I was diagnosed with depression when I was 14. Okay. Yeah, going right. 15. Uh, so like this is something that I lived with. Uh, I found ways to cope up with it because it's not something that you can cure completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, well, there are like your triggering points, different triggering points. Sometimes you don't even know what's happening and then, you know, it just, you know, like you're just depressed. You're just that state of mind. Uh, so like, even when I was back home, like I was struggling with that. Yeah. And then also like, when I moved to the UK, this is how I see things, right? Uh, I was alone. Yes. But I was not feeling lonely. Okay. When I was back home, I was never alone because I grew up in an extended family. I have big network of friends, but I was lonely because I was never true to myself. Right. Because me being true in that space has consequences. Yeah. Okay. So like just because I did not want to take those chances, I was actually lonely when I was living in my own space, in my own home. Okay. Okay. When I moved to the UK, yes, I was feeling alone. And then the weather doesn't help. Yes. <laughs> so the time yes. I moved uh, to the UK, like it was uh, winter time, Ugh, you know, like it gets dark at 4 p.m. Yes. I don't even know what kind of devil is that. It's just like, it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it has, it has affected me a lot. But the one thing that I was doing is uh, I was going out to different events. Mm-hmm. I was meeting different people and then, you know, people who look like me. Right. People who had to go through the same experience as I did. Okay. Black and queer to, refugees. Black queer refugees, yes. Right. Right. <laughs> we used to talk, you know. Right. So like I used to go to those spaces and then you know we used to have a conversation. Right. And then there's actually like a support system. Okay. Yeah. So like well, which helped me for my case. Right. Right. So this the support system that you got here is how you ended up dealing with the with the sort of yeah because you know what as i said honestly when i was back home it's just the fact that like you know i had to police myself Mm. before anyone else was just tiring that was exhausting like really emotionally bruising you have to silence yourself you have you're not allowed to have a shadow okay let alone like you know like for you to claim a space as a gay person right okay so like for me when i come to the uk yes I'm not saying it's easy to be alienated from your space, okay? Yeah. But I was trying to see the things that could help me sustain and be sane at the same time right. to get through where I needed to be. Those are the things that I that pushed me, that helped me to get to where I am today. So um, uh, uh, finding supporting system, right. yeah, finding yeah. supporting system. The fact that I did not have to hide who I am, okay, I did not have to police myself. I can actually say to people who I am, you know, without any fear. Exactly. That was, you know, I think. I think you've answered the question I was going to ask. I was going (laughs) to ask, what what is the one thing that that you use to keep yourself sane? Well, you know me. So, like, well, this is the thing for me, my love. Um, I am, like, a stupidly, naively optimistic person yes you are (laughs) (laughs) yes you are that does not mean to say like you know i'm very delusional about reality like i'm very very much realistic but at the same time i need i will look for that support it can be one person out of a thousand people that surrounds me Mm. if i feel safe around them those are the people that i look up to every fucking day so that like you know like i 
have a room to breathe mm-hmm. so that I, I get like a new oxygen in my body yeah. so that like everything's functioning properly. Otherwise, if I'm around toxic people, if I'm just like, you know, like dwelling over that traumatic experience that I had to come through, right. uh, like it doesn't work for me. Just like, finding the one person who's always yes. there for everyone. Exactly. Really. Everyone has that one person you they can reach out to. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Great. So we're going to take a break now. And then after we come, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, House of Gromayla. House of Gromayla. Good. Yes. We can have another wine. Absolutely. <laughs> We're back with the Padded Cell podcast. I'm sitting with Becky, Behu, Bahu, Bahi, Bahi. Yeah, all of them. All of them. Uh, I'm sitting with all these people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when we left off, I wanted us to talk about House of Guramaila. So tell us what that is. Okay, so House of Gramaile is a project that we'll be starting now with friends. Um, we have five co-founders that are based in different countries. Three of us are here in the UK. Uh, one is in Austria. One is in Washington, D.C. Okay. Uh, what House of Gramaile does is just LGBT advocacy organization for the Ethiopian community. But we have different objectives that we've put okay. as an objective you know we used to focus on hiv and stdi right. sti and std when i was back home yeah but now we wanted to give a well-rounded wellness approach okay what do they call it nowadays like a holistic approach holistic approach yes, yes. so we wanted to do that within that we wanted to include uh, mental health okay. mainly uh because you know we've seen uh, a lot of Ethiopians commit suicide Families don't know why their kids are committing suicide, which is the sad part. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, um, let's say, for example, if you are involved with someone and then your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your partner commits suicide, mm-hmm. and then the after effect for that person who is alive, we don't know how to deal with it. We were getting a lot of uh, requests and questions on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But like, I genuinely don't know how to address them because A, I'm not an expert on it. I haven't had that experience. And then none of us yeah. is an expert. Exactly. Yeah. And then like, you know, one thing, yeah. you know, one thing we know for sure is like, you know, within mental health, yeah. unsolicited advice is, is the no, worst, no. Yeah. yeah. So like, we do not want to do that. Right. So we created House of Gramaile in hopes that we can provide an actual physical space where people can go, you know, at this and, and get, you know, HIV, STI, STD, of course, and mental health-focused uh, discussions and treatments. So that what that's what we're trying to do with House of Gramaile. Right. I, I, I just noticed that uh, the, the founders are from all over the yeah. European side of the world, in the global yeah. north. Yeah. Uh, they're all Ethiopians. All of them are Ethiopians, yes. All right. So how do you f- function, given that you're all in the UK, in Austria, in, in different parts of Europe? How, how does it work? So practically two ways. It's, it's just an online platform. Like the organization is an online, an online platform. Okay. And then also like the idea of House of Gramaile is not just for the five of us to run it. It's, you know, like anyone who wants to work in Ethiopia mm-hmm. on LGBT issues, we can give them networks, we can give them resources, and then we can be the sub, like the hub, yeah. you know, like for that movement. As to how we communicate, 
we have a WhatsApp group, which we uh, give updates like weekly, mm-hmm. and then we uh, do phone calls, you know, like Zoom or whatever, like you know, phone calls uh, twice like a month mm-hmm. <laughs> just to give updates, right. and then we keep each other like you know uh, on the loop on the Facebook pages, Instagram pages, uh, Twitter. We have okay. uh, the reason that. House of Grammarly was created because, like, um, with people outside of the country, as Ethiopia was not a space, um, a conducive space for any human rights discussion. Right. Like, not specifically LGBT, but like, you know, human rights, rights in general. In general. Right. Things are changing nowadays. Well, that's what I hear at least. Uh, but still, LGBT is not welcomed in that conversation, in that space. So we wanted to be the face of it because we, at least, you know, we're physically safe. In a place where we live. Okay. Yeah. So actually, the the reason why you guys are doing this is because you're physically safe wherever it is you are, yeah. and 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 running something for people in Ethiopia. In Ethiopia. Okay. Yeah. But like we do collaboration work but right. because we have like you no know, two organizations that are working on outreach program on the ground in okay. Ethiopia. So we do collaborations with them. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And and is it is it specifically targeted at Ethiopian LGBT people in Ethiopia or all over the world? Like people. I mean, there are people all over the world. Who are Ethiopians seeking asylum as refugees? True. Right. So, I mean, when we started it, to be honest, you know, like, well, we wanted to focus for Ethiopians who are in Ethiopia. Okay. But, see, that's the thing. That's the thing with advocacy, isn't it? Right. You start something and then you find out, it's like, oh, shit, actually, like, you know what? Yeah. There are a lot of things to be done around here as well. Yeah. Uh, not so much of, you know, like, from Hal's, you know, rights perspective, but, like, you know, there are things that you can support. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, like, English is not a common, uh, you know, like denominator for Ethiopians. Right. So like, you know, like that can be a language barrier. So if there's anything that they wanted to do while claiming asylum here in the UK, House of Ramali can support with that. Okay. Uh, like the same thing happens in Austria, like Washington, DC. Okay. Uh, we can do those things. Yeah, but we mostly, mainly focused on Ethiopia. In, in Ethiopia. We highly invested the people in Ethiopia, yes. Well, so now, uh, Suicide obviously is a, is a main thing. is is a thing that uh, House of Gremile is really looking into. Yeah. Um, but how do you deal with it? How again? We said that we we're not experts, but yeah. How 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 do you give people access to the experts who deal with the with the suicide issues, uh, who deal with mental health in Ethiopia? <sighs> well, that's the side and then the hardest part. Um, we have the plan. We are allocating resources and then, you know, we're trying to find ways on how to engage on the ground. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are a lot of challenges, as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, so for the time being, what we're trying to do is uh, we share materials that are already published in English okay. in different countries. We try to translate those materials in our own local language mm-hmm. so that people can read what it is about. Right. Because... Suicide by itself is a highly misunderstood concept. Absolutely. People would assume like, you know, like it's seeking attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, well, even like you know, demystifying that is not an easy subject matter. And then, as I said, Utopia is a very religious country. So like anything that is mental health is considered, you know, like with uh, demonic you know, yes, like, possessions and things. Yeah. yeah. So like it's not something that you discuss yeah. publicly. And then being a man in a patriotic society, the misogyny again, like you know, like all those things add up, mm-hmm. and then men are not open to talk about their emotional feelings. So like that makes it hard for you to actually give them service. Right. So like unless we identify things, we don't know how to approach them. But at the moment, what we're trying to do as a house of Grammaile is just share the information 
on our social media platforms. Okay. And then people do actually reach us out. Okay. Like, you know, like, well, I have this kind of, you know, like a situation, like, you know, can you help me out? Getting the right medical professional, it's not easy. A, yes, there are like you no know, psychiatrists in Addis Ababa, right. but like they're highly expensive. Uh-huh. You can't afford them. You know, most of the community members that we try to do work for, like they cannot afford them, obviously. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is, there's one person that I know on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I will refer oh, to her. Yeah. Right. So like she will do counseling over the phone or like, I don't know if they choose to see her, like, like she can do that. Speaking of, uh, you know, mental health practitioners in, in Addis, you said earlier that you were diagnosed mm-hmm. with depression at 14. Mm-hmm. Um, this was in Addis, Adria, yes, in Addis. Addis. How, how did you cope with it? How did you deal with it? They just like give you a diagnosis and give you medication? Did you have to deal? You said that you had several coping mechanisms. Yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe it's me. Uh, so this is the thing. When I grew up, and then, like, when I hit around, like, 12, I think, the year 12, I kind of knew who I was attracted to. Okay. But I did not have a, I didn't have a name for it. Okay. But I did not communicate it, like, you know, with anyone as well. Mm-hmm. Somehow, for some reason, like, I felt like, you know, this is not something that I should be saying. <laughs> Maybe, like, you know, like, sex and intimacy by itself, you yes. know, generally is not discussed. Not in an okay. African context. Exactly. Yeah. Let alone, you know, like, sexuality, yeah. Yeah. like, you know, sex and intimacy is not even, like, discussed. Maybe that's why, like, I didn't say, like, anything when I was 12. But, like, I grew up as an Ethiopian Orthodox. So what that means is, like, you know, like, every Sunday, uh, there's a service at the church in the morning, and then in the afternoon, like, you know, you take classes. Um, they will categorize you, like, in age groups. Okay. So you do classes. So, like, the year after, like, you know, like, I knew who I was attracted to, as I said, when I was 12, but I didn't have a name for it. Uh-huh. When I was 13, I found a name for it. Okay. Through the church. Through the church? Yes. Okay. So, like... When I was 13, they were talking about, like, the Sodom and Gomorrah story oh, from Leviticus. Okay. Oh, my God, Anthony. Like, that shit fucked me up. Like, huh. completely. Because I grew up loving God. I grew up loving the church. I grew up loving everything about Ethiopian Orthodox. Okay? That day, everything completely changed. Even though the priest was not focusing on me and not looking, not looking at me, but I knew he was talking about me. Mm-hmm. And then they have this word they call it Kibra Sodom. So I used to see, you know, like, well, the act of Sodom. Yeah. Sodom means Sodomites. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it means. Right. This is, you know, like Sodomites. Yeah. And then they say, like, you know, like, are you going to burn in hell? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. So that was the day that I stopped going to church. I refused to go to church. And then I become, like, very introverted. Like, I have two personalities, I think. Like, I'm extrovert at some point. Like, I am introvert at the same time. Like, you know, depending on my mood, depending on the day. Yes. <laughs> depending on the day. Yeah. So, like, I think I became, like, you know, more introverted. And, like, I was not communicating as I was before. So, like, my parents got worried. So, like, they took me to a doctor. That's when I was diagnosed with depression. Okay. Okay. And then the doctor was a close friend of my dad's. Right. So I was not comfortable to say exactly why I was depressed, even though I know why I was depressed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he tried to talk to me, like, you know, like he tried to, you know, like, well, I don't know, to give me options, let's say. But I was not opening up. Okay. I chose to keep it to myself. So he suggested, like, you know, like if, you know, like I would be okay if I was on medication. Right. Um, but I said no. 
I don't want to do that. So after that, like, you know, between the age of 15 until about like 19, to be honest, Anthony, I don't remember most of the things that happened unless like it's major things that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Most of the things were like blurry to me. I was just, you know, waking up, doing what I'm asked, you know, like go to, go to school, come back, behave in a certain way. Sleep. Well, no. Mm-hmm. Church, no, I've never went back to church. No, God, no. Okay. No. <laughs> no, 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 this is an experience that many queer people go through. Yeah. Like they, 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 it gets to a point where we are, we are told you're you're an abomination mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you're gonna go to hell. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you decide, you know what, this is it. I'm not doing church anymore. Uh, we, did, we had an episode earlier with Jude, uh, yes. who really spoke about the affirming yep. nature of some churches, but exactly. it's not. Most but like, church. yeah, but like, you know, like, well, that happens when, like, yeah. in the last like 10, 15 years, exactly. maybe. Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, like, for me, I stayed that way, but, like, I had to find a coping up mechanism, as I said. So, my dad, so, like, this is the thing, like, with my dad, we can talk about, like, you know, just about anything. We can even talk about, like, you know, sexuality. Mm-hmm. I just did never say, like, to him at that point, I'm gay. But, like, we used to talk about, like, sexuality and, like, you know, different politics, you know, we can discourse in the house, which was okay. So, within that conversation, I found about, like, you know, meditations. Okay? So, he told me about meditation. Mm-hmm. My parents, they're spiritual. They're not religious people. Right. Okay? okay. So, like, they're, like, you no know, kind of free to some extent. Right. Okay. So, like, yeah, because of them, like, I uh, kind of find out, like, about meditation. I started doing meditation. And then I, I genuinely saw, like, you know, a difference within myself. That's great. Because <sighs> I know how to breathe. You know what I mean? I need to learn how to breathe. <laughs> like, <myself>. honestly, <laughs> yeah, because it's not easy. Like, I genuinely did not know how to breathe. And then, like, yeah. I learned how to breathe, you know, like, after practicing meditation. Right. Yeah. So, like, then, like, you know, I started specifying, like, you know, which kind of medication, like, meditation was for me. So, like, you know, uh, I was focusing on more of the Vipassana meditation. It's a right. silent meditation that you do for 10 to 12 days. Uh, or, like, you can do 21 days, depending on Yeah, depending on whether you're working or not. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but like so like those are the things that worked for me right. and then the other thing is uh i worked a lot on gratitude so like you know like simple things makes a difference oh, in my spirit that's what i see in myself but like that might be me okay but like the, those are the, like, the simple things as i said earlier on you know finding that one person that makes you comfortable you know, or like finding that space. It cannot be a person. It's finding it doesn't have to be a person. Yeah. It can be a space, you know, where you sit and then like you know the light is perfect. Maybe like you know the breeze is nice. Mm-hmm. You know the couch is comfy. It can be anything. Okay, it can like be about like you know like taking a long walk. Yeah, because that works for me. Yeah, long walks works for me. Yes, because I take a walk, my mind is clear. I have fresh air. When I come back home, you know, I am tired. So like I have a good sleep. Right. But like I try to trick my mind in so many different ways. So like I found my own mechanism mm-hmm. that works for me. Mm-hmm. And it could work yeah. for other people. Like taking I'm walks. Sure. Uh, I spoke to someone the other day and they said that, you know, walking can be very uh, introspective, but also you, 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 you get stuck in your mind yeah. and things start coming up. Things exactly. that you thought were not, were not important. 
will come up uh, as as something that you need to deal with. Exactly. But then that's how you just you get clarity. You, you get clarity. Yes. Of things. So taking walks and uh, meditation is yeah. It's, and I will post some links to uh, vipassana meditation. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that would be awesome. If that's something that anyone wants to listen. Exactly. To. Like it's good to explore, you know, different options because Absolutely. you know people have so many different coping mechanisms. Yeah. Okay. So like, but well, those are the things that we need to know. And then like, you know, to go back to what I was saying. So like, by the age of nine. I found a way to be okay with God. Okay. Like I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person. I don't believe in an institution. Mm-hmm. I don't practice any religion specifically, right. but like I'm a very spiritual person. And then that keeps me saying like, that's the other thing for me that worked for me. Okay? okay. So yeah. So like by the age of 19, I was like, you know what? I actually am designed this way. I am perfect. I don't need to pray on it. I don't need to fast to change myself right. because I am perfect as well. I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I, and I, I mean, besides all that, I'll, I'll take us back to House of Gurumayla. Is there any other specific mental health issues that House of Gurumayla has had to deal with in the last few months, for instance? Uh, I mean, so this is the thing, like, well, the landscape of Ethiopian politics mm-hmm. is, like, you know, like changing, like, you know, daily, yeah. honestly, to be honest. Uh, so we haven't, like, you know, had, like, a settled or, like, a pilot program yet. But, like, most of the questions that we get, most of the requests that we get are, like, uh, regarding the depression. But, like, you know, see, the other thing is this, okay? Most of them are, like, self-diagnosed, okay? okay. People, like, you know, go Google and, then, like, you know, they see, like, you know, symptoms that depression are similar yes. to them. Yes. And then, like, you know, they diagnose themselves with depression. Uh, yeah, so, like, most of them are, like, self-diagnosed because we do not have the resources yet right. in that space. Uh but like yeah, most of them is related with suicide um, and depression, and then I think most people approach me about suicide and depression because I think I'm open and then I talk about like you know my own issues. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, so that just given that, and given the fact that like House of Guramela has people from all over the global yeah. north, and knowing that there are so many uh, people seeking asylum for various issues, yeah, including being LGBT. Yeah. in the African continent. And I'm actually specifically thinking about the Ugandans in Kenya. And there yeah. are some Ethiopians in Kenya as well. Yeah. I know quite a few of them. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that they're going to, they're going through way too much in, in those contexts. Do you have anything to tell those people? <sighs> I mean, the first thing, to be honest, I think their context is completely different from... The kind of asylum seeking process that I had to go through. Okay. Because I, like, as I said, like, I was in a space, I was in a country where I was allowed to be who I am. Yeah. Even though, like, those Ugandans move to Kenya, Mm. the Ethiopians go to Kenya, like, still Kenya criminalizes same sex relationships. Okay. It's not the same. Yeah. Okay. That's the first thing. And then also, um, what, ah, Oh, there's no nice way of saying this. But like, you know, like some of the stories that I've heard, for example, like when this, you know, the kids move to those spaces, the LGBT community, like or move to those spaces, thinking Kenya could be a safe space. When you are like not in your own place where you call home, quote unquote, yeah. there's a certain freeing thing in your spirit. Freedom, yeah. Yeah, like a certain, like, you know, like freedom. Mm. And then, so like, I've heard the Kenyans say like, you know, like, well, they're not behaving you know, like how they should be and they're, like they're putting us in danger right okay so like that's the other way of you know policing so like again it's not the same context as 
I went through. You went through because you yeah. had a direct flight from Addis to London. That's one. And then also, like, you know, in London, in the UK, like, you know, being gay is fine. Right. You know, like, I can flaunt my gayness all day long. The British people are not going to be like, you know, like the British gay community are not going to be like, no, you know what? Tone it down. Like, you're creating a problem to us because there's no problem because of my gayness right. that I'm going to create to them. You know what I mean? So, like, that's a different context. But maybe, uh, as an advice, maybe it's good, you know, like, well, to, as I said, like, you know, it's just about, like, a support, you know, finding that support system. Yeah. Finding that support system that works for you. That works for you in a way that I might not understand, yeah. that like none of us can understand. But like you know, find that support system that works for you in a space where you are, because the first thing is safety. We want you to be safe. You left your country, you left your space, you left your family, your friends, so that you are safe, and then so that you can express who you are. If the space you are is still criminalizing the same people like you, yeah. okay. Try to find a way that makes you safe. Yeah. Try to find a way. The that makes you safe. Exactly. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, and and that actually that that brings me to the my my final question is, and I think you've actually said it. Just find your support system, but. Um, do, do you have any specific message to uh, people going through or people in general going through mental health issues? And you can be, you can speak in any language you want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just say, say mean, something to, to those listening. Okay. So I think the first thing that we need to say is that everyone, every one of us human beings are going through our own traumatic experiences. Yeah. All of us. Okay. Let's try to be kind to one another, if we can. Be kind. Okay? Yes. Let's be kind. And like, I know like, it sounds like, you know, like lame or cliche, yeah. but like, no, be, be kind. kind. Unless that person, that individual, gives you a reason to be bitchy to them, okay. be kind. Okay? Yeah. Like, let's be kind. Because it works both ways. Yeah. It works both you ways. You be kind to me, I'll be exactly, kind to Exactly, exactly. And then that's the first thing. And then the other thing is, when you see someone who's struggling with mental health issues, please, please refrain from giving them unsolicited advice. Yeah. Okay. Try to give them direction where they can get support. Yeah. Okay. Or the least we can do is just sit with them, listen yep. to their problems. Do not compare it to yours. Okay. Do not compare it to yours. Yep. Not at all. Like, no. We're all different. Okay. Exactly. Do yep. not compare it to yours. Just listen to them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And to someone who's directly affected by mental health, this is what I wanted to say. There are days where the feelings and the emotions get stronger. Yeah. Where like they become like, you know, unbearable to you guys. Yeah. Okay. Do not by any means categorize them. Don't give them like, you know, good or bad labels on them. Okay. Just feel whatever you're feeling. Mm -hmm. If you need to cry, cry. Okay. Yeah. Be vulnerable with that one Person, right with that space that makes you okay yes. because that's the only way we can get a relief at that moment it's about like you know making it easy to make it the next day so be kind listen and and feel exactly just feel yes don't categorize don't, don't categorize it don't call just, it good or bad your feelings yeah. just feel them yeah okay. I, I did feel them for exactly. the last few months when i was away but yeah. uh 
and 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 I had you to turn to at some point. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. And uh, and that's that's it for this episode. We will be back very soon with the next episode of Padded Cell. Thank you so much for having the conversation with me. Thank you. It's 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 been long overdue. <laughs> And, uh, Thank you so much for the invite. And let's yeah. let's let's end the stigma. Yes. Be kind to each other. Oh my god! Yeah. And listen to each other. Exactly. And whenever you're feeling something, allow yourself to feel it. Exactly. You're allowed. Fantastic. You're allowed. Like generally, you're allowed. Great. Thank you <laughs> so much. What society throws you. Like, society. <laughs> you know, don't toughen up. No, exactly. no, cry if you have cry to. If you yeah, have that's to. fine. Cry if you want to. Yeah, that's fine. Brilliant. Yeah. Great. Thank Perfect. you so much. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, please reach out. Visit the South African Depression and Anxiety Group website or the SA Federation for Mental Health, where you will find comprehensive mental health information and resources to help you, a family member, or a loved one. Also follow the podcast on Twitter at paddedcell underscore pod or Facebook paddedcellpodcast or Instagram at paddedcell.pod for more information.